0: I first met uh, Dr. Joseph Harvey uh, when he was a resident, and he had a dream, and that was to establish the first Christian hospital in the Republic of Congo, not the Democratic Republic of Congo, but the Republic of Congo. I was hoping he would come to our hospital in Bongolo in Gabon, uh, just north of the Republic of Congo, but he had this dream. And uh, so he went with his family in 1996 or so and uh, to Brazzaville, a year later, the whole family had to flee because a civil war erupted and exploded in the city of Brazzaville. They left with just the shirts on their backs. And uh, so once again, I invited him to come to our hospital in uh, Gabon. And uh, so in 2000, they came and, and they spent a year with us, uh, 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 Joseph and his wife, Rebecca, and their three children. And uh, then they actually went back to Brazzaville. Uh, where they had uh, so, uh, just really um, had a terrible experience uh, with that war. And um, about uh, a year or two later, Joseph invited me to come up to Mfondo on the Ubangi River. And up until that time, I had thought that Bongolo was the most podunk hospital in all of Central Africa, all of Africa maybe, and that uh, Bongolo was the most remote place on the planet. But when I got to Mfondo... I realized that I was working in a paradise compared to uh, where Joseph was going with his family. But uh, they have done an amazing work there in that part of uh, Africa, been a light for Jesus. And um, when I left uh, after that visit there uh, to what was a youth camp, and communist youth camp turned over to him to turn into a hospital, um, you know, it was just, I thought, my goodness, this is impossible. Only with God can he do this. And, uh, but God was with him. Uh, Many times uh, they flew on these old Russian Antonov uh, two engine planes, and uh, when I flew on this decaying plane back out of Infondo, back to Brazzaville, um, uh, it was the only time in my entire life that uh, alligators got loose in the luggage compartment of the plane. Um, But that's just typical. It's just probably kind of ordinary for Joseph. So, Joseph, please come and address us. What a privilege.
1: Well, good morning. I bring you greetings from my family. Uh, Grace and peace to you in the name of God, our Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Greetings from my family, from my wife, Rebecca, my children, Olivia, Claire, Isabel, and Noah. Olivia is here with us today, and as is uh, one of my nieces, Stephanie. I also bring you greetings from Pioneer Christian Hospital in the Republic of Congo, in Infondo. Well, Republic of Congo is located in Central Africa, right on the equator. Brazzaville's is the capital city. And uh, the Infondo is located 726 kilometers north on the Obangi River in the town of Infondo, a town that's carved out of the world's few remaining dense tropical rainforests. It's become now a town of 90,000 people. When we moved there, there was only 10,000. I bring you greetings from Pioneer Christian Hospital, from your brothers and sisters in Christ that work and serve him there, bringing the gospel and healing to the populations in our area. I like to think that Pioneer Christian Hospital is more than a great place to work. It's a community of Christ followers in action, dedicated to common mission, visions, values, goals, strategy, and objectives. I want to look into God's Word today with you, and uh, this is going kind to of be unique, because I've, you probably never heard a ser- sermon preached from Lingala into English, but I forgot my Bible in Ivondo and the only Bible I, was, I brought with me is in Lingala. So I've done a literal translation from Lingala back into English. And uh, this is how it goes. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 and 7. In Lingala, for some reason, they put 7 as verse 1. So they start with greetings. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, wait, I'm, I think I'm reading this in some Bible for basic English. We'll get to the Lingala translation soon. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made the seed of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom also ye also, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we've looked into your word, Romans, beginning of chapter 1. Speak to us now. Speak to me. Speak to everyone here. This morning, may we hear what your spirit has to say to our hearts. May we respond. May we act in faith. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. So the Lingala version says more. something more like this. Paul is talking. He says, God called me to be an apostle. He chose me to preach his good news. It's verse 1. Verse 5. So that I catch people from every nation, that they believe in him and obey him, thereby giving him glory. In Lingala, the word is kobenda. Real them in. Fishers of men. In our culture, in Infondo, it's uh, people do agriculture or fishing. Traditionally, and they know about reeling in fish. And the Apostle Paul said, God called me to be an apostle so that I can catch people from every nation that they believe in Him. But the belief doesn't stop there. Belief accompanied by action, belief accompanied by obedience, because it's the obedience to God's Word that gives him glory our obedience to his word gives him glory the apostle Paul its what he wanted to do and he said in verse 6 you all too you're included it ain't for no reason that Jesus Christ is calling again for you that's what it says in my gala translated back into English it's like saying Jesus has you on redial Jesus has been calling you Jesus is calling you again he's got a job for you he's got some things he's told you to do that you didn't obey yet and he wants you to follow him now okay so this is the text and we went through God's Word Um, Why am I here? Why am I giving this message? Um, They were looking for a plenary speaker. They got a plain, ordinary speaker. My name is Joe. And I work in a button factory. I'm here because God called me to be a medical missionary to the Republic of Congo when I was eight years old. And Will wanted me to share that story with you. How did that happen? Well, I was raised in a large family. Four boys, four girls, one mom, one dad. Kind of stereotypical. In that large family, we were raised in the church. We went, every time the doors were open, a lot of times we closed the doors and opened them. My father was head deacon. And when I was growing up, we would have a missions conference every year at our church. Well, when I was only three years old, I was quite a little rascal. I was not uh, redeemed. <laughs> I remember, I remember, because my brother reminds me that I was a little brat. And I was growing up in a Christian family. I remember wanting to obey my parents. But being incapable of doing that at age three. I really wanted to, but I could not do it. And one day, my mom was cooking supper. I was the baby boy. I was home watching mom cook supper as I did most nights in the kitchen. Because she had to keep her eye on me. <laughs> she couldn't leave me in any other room I was i to break whatever was there. Usually my brother's toys that I wasn't allowed to play with. But... Mom was cooking rice and I remember, I remember very clearly that, uh, she went upstairs to, to check something in the bedroom and she left the rice on the pot, in the, on the stove to boil. And I knew from watching mom work that when it starts to boil over all you have to do is lift off the top. And mom always said don't touch the stove. She always said don't touch the stove every time she left the kitchen for three milliseconds joey don't touch the stove but she was all the way upstairs and it started boiling over and i thought i'm going to show her that i know how to touch the stove so i reached up and i was taking the lid off the pot but i was a little tight and my wrist right here hit the burner and then i was found out (laughs) because i screamed of course and she came running down, and she said, Joey, I told you not to touch the stove. And so I was worried. I thought, I'm going to get a spank, because that's what usually happens when you don't obey your parents in, in that day. And uh, she said, you're burned. You, you have the, the, the reward already of your actions. So my brother David, he's always been an evangelist. He's five years old. Five years older than me. Uh, so he was eight. Eight at the time. He saw my life headed in the wrong direction. (laughs) And one night, a Sunday evening in the summertime, my brother, my mom had all of us kids lined up. We had a semicircular driveway. Dad was off with his mother. He took her to lunch, to dinner on Sunday afternoon. He was coming back to pick us up to go to church for evening service. And so we were all standing there, all ready to go, all dressed up, waiting for dad to get back. David said to me, Joey, if you don't ask Jesus into your heart, when you die, you're going to go to hell. I was three years old. I went to Sunday school, but I didn't really know what hell was. So I said, okay. David said, Joey, you don't understand. Hell is a lake of fire, and it's a lot hotter than that stove. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. So I prayed. He led me in a prayer. I prayed to ask Jesus to come into my heart and life. And it's true. I'm not making this up. My life changed. My brother led me in a prayer. He said, Joey, ask Jesus to help you be a good boy. And he did. My mom says now that I was the best child. <laughs> that I never did anything wrong. Now, I know Alzheimer's is started to kick in, but... <laughs> No, see, it really did change my life. Jesus transformed my life at age three. I don't know what I would have become if I hadn't given my life to Christ at that day. And I praise God for my brother David leading me that way. Now, in third grade, we had missions conferences at our church every October, week long, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every night of the week, something going on. And my father and my parents loved missions, so the missionaries would always stay at our house. We had a big house. And this one missionary was uh, staying at our house when I was in third grade and telling me stories after the services at night. And his name's Gene Thomas. He worked 43 years as a missionary church planner, a pastor in Republic of Congo. And he told me stories about Congo. And I was in third grade. I remember one lunchtime parent monitor to watch the kids during recess. I remember this father saying to some of my friends I was playing with outside, Jeffrey, what are you going to be when you grow up? Kenny, what are you going to become when you grow up? I panicked. I've always been one that likes to know the answer. And I didn't have an answer, so I hid behind the dumpster. So that this parent would ask me what I was going to be when I grew up. Because I didn't know. So I started thinking about it. And the missions conference was going on that week. And the second Sunday of the missions conference, Pastor Thomas spoke to the children's church down in the fellowship hall, about 60 kids, grades, kindergarten through sixth grade, or whatever. He told us, he said, that you're not too young or too old to hear you calling God calling you by name he said Samuel was a boy like some of you here in Sunday school Samuel was a boy like you growing up in the church he was growing up in the temple and yet one night he heard God call his name he thought it was Eli he ran to the priest the priest said go back to bed three times God called it took three times for the priest to realize oh maybe this is God because the word of God at that time was rare so he said, Eli said to Samuel, this time, if you hear him call your name again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. And what Jean Thomas said, and what I say to you today, is if you, if you have yet to hear God call you by name, if you make a decision about how you're going to respond when you do hear him, it will greatly increase the likelihood that you will hear his voice in your life. You're not too young or too old to hear God calling you by name. But how you respond is very important. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. John ten twenty seven. Jesus Christ, right now, right today, especially right now, especially today, Jesus Christ is calling you to follow him. Some of you haven't yet made that decision that I made when I was three to give my life to Jesus Christ. You need to do that. Some of you have been following him. You need to follow him closer. Gotten out of step. He wants you right there with him. Do you want joy in your life, in your practice? Put Jesus First, in your life, follow Him. Psalm 2 8 says, Ask of me, and I will give you nations. I was at an African missions conference last Thanksgiving, about a year ago, in, in Yaoundé, Cameroon. And one of the speakers said, You're praying too small. Don't pray for God to give your neighbor or somebody in your family. Ask of Him nations. One country is not enough. Ask for nations, and he will give it if you are following him. Jesus commands us to go. It should be an exception if we stay, as Keith Green saying. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. The beloved physician wrote this. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, sent to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind. Luke 4.18 Jesus sent his disciples to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent us to do what he did when he was here. And he wants us to follow him. So he wants us to do the same thing. Jesus is calling you just like he was calling me when I was in third grade. Jesus is calling you too and he's got a job for you. I believe that God wants you to serve where you are needed most. I'm not worried that you're all going to come to Congo because not all of you are needed most there. Given the gifts and the talents, the abilities, the training, the experience that you have, it's going to be different for each one of us. Because like the snowflakes, every one of us is different and created in God's image. If we follow him, we will experience this. And it says... Jesus speaking in parable, he said his master said to him, it is good, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will make I will entrust you with many enter into the joy of your master. There is joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. If you're not experiencing and I know many times I haven't been experiencing it because I haven't been walking close enough to Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Joy is meant to be shared. Romans 12, says, 10 says Be kindly affection one to another, with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Again, that's Apostle Paul. So what about those childhood dreams that I had of becoming a doctor, a missionary doctor to the Congo? I forgot to tell you uh, the rest of that story in third grade. I made a commitment in that Sunday school class that, yes, if I heard God called my name, I would say, speak, Lord, for your servants listening. That Sunday night, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., around 3 a.m., dark of the night, I woke up with a terrible dream. I was so afraid, I was afraid to open my eyes. ever happened to you? I was afraid to move, to make a sound. And then I sensed the presence. And I realized God was calling me. And he said, Joey, I want you to be a missionary to the Congo. The doctor part came later. I was in third grade, remember? So we, we, back then in the olden days, we learned how to write in pen, uh, cursive. We learned to write in cursive in third grade. I was so looking forward to that in first and second. Finally got to third grade, got to learn how to write in cursive. Well, it turns out I wasn't so great at that. And the teacher gave me extra homework, singled me out. Extra homework that my mom had to sign. And so again, I was with mom, she's making supper, I get home from school, I'm Doing my homework on the kitchen counter, doing sentences. I will not talk in class. <laughs> it really helped my penship, doing it a hundred times. penmanship. Learn how to write fast. Mom looked over my shoulder, saw what I was doing, and she was a nurse. She went to Brooklyn Hospital School of Nursing. And, um, and she stopped professional nursing once she started nursing her eight kids. But... <laughs> But uh, she looked at my work and she said, Joey, uh, you should be a doctor. Because <laughs> your handwriting's so bad. So God called me to be a missionary, just a missionary to Congo, but I was still stressed out because I didn't know what kind of missionary. I was still avoiding that parent at school. But then He called me to be a missionary doctor through a dumb joke, which I guess is really appropriate for me. So what about those childhood dreams? What became of them? Well, our family grew a lot more. (laughs) This was our reunion a few years back, our last furlough, because the eight kids had kids. (laughs) And my immediate family, um, my family grew uh, through my wife, Rebecca, who uh, bore us four children. And I just praise God. I am living out my childhood dreams. The greatest dream I have is being married to Rebecca Sue. She's the best. She keeps us going. She doesn't let me quit. Uh, she's back in Congo right now. We, I left Friday. until Saturday. And I'm going back Tuesday. Our team has grown. A uh, team of missionaries. What happened to those childhood dreams? Well, Pioneer Christian Hospital, we are offering health and hope to those who need it most. When we moved after... Spending time in Gabon, it was actually 1999, we moved back to Congo. At that time, Congo had just come out of a civil war. One in 20 women were child, die, dying in childbirth, the complications from childbirth. So it was one in 20 risk of dying in your lifetime through complications from obstetrics and, and gynecology problems. That was in 1999 when we started. In 2014, as I said, we we delivered 673 babies, zero maternal deaths. In 1999, we had the statistics because the UN sent investigators to help the country get back on its feet after the Civil War. There was 50% under five childhood mortality. One in two children were dying before the fifth birthday. Last year, 2014, we performed 449 blood transfusions at Piney Christian Hospital. The vast majority of those are pediatric kids under five getting a blood transfusion because of severe malaria. So that represents 449 or maybe 440 because some still die. But 440 lives saved children under five. We praise God for the life that is in the blood that we're able to provide through donors. Are we serving the medical underserved? Yes, it's not a a lot. It's not a heavily populated area, but we are seeing thousands of patients every year, and the hospital is still growing. It's been around now 10 years. The vast majority of our patients come from populations that are (laughs) medically underserved. Uh, That's an understatement. And many live below the poverty level. Again, that's quite an understatement. Um, We are impacting the health of nations. As patients have come from five, six different surrounding nations to find a Christian hospital to be operated on. uh, God has worked a miracle transforming a former communist youth camp into a Christian hospital, the country's first. I just praise God for what he has done. He's brought to fruition the dreams that I had as a child, as a medical student, as a resident, and then as a young missionary. God is bringing health and hope to those who need it most, and I praise him for what he is doing. Are we we growing in Christ and sharing him with our patients? Well, God is at work among us. Our patients and staff are growing in Christ. We start every morning, 7 a.m., with staff devotions. In the 10 years the hospital's been there, we've gone through the Bible, the entire Bible, four times with our staff. It's got to make a difference. That's the only thing that never returns void: the Word of God. Last year, we shared Christ with 11,021 patients and caregivers, and we continually, intentionally pray. I try to pray with every single patient every day. There is much joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And on average, one patient a day, one caregiver a day at Pinewood Christian Hospital is making a decision for Christ. There is joy in heaven over this. Now, this talk, I want you to be able to experience... Joy in your practice, whatever it is, wherever you are and wherever you're headed. I want you to experience joy in your practice. In my own life, I must admit, I confess, that I don't, I'm not always full of joy. Even as a missionary doctor in the Congo. Sometimes we let our values slip or we lose focus of our values. And, and as a team, our values are loving communication, childlike faith, praying in community, courage and competence and compassion for life God has done a great work on our team through this year and healing is happening and Sarah Spear she's been there since 1982 on and off she's our community health nurse working with the elderly in their homes Sarah we have a wonderful team and we're developing these values and working it out and praise God for our, our team. It's so, it's so diverse. Uh, we have people from Hong Kong, Gabon, Democratic Republic of Congo, Ireland, um, and Congo. And then, of course, we have lots of local staff, 89 uh, folks getting their living, making their living at Pioneer Christian Hospital or working with us. Over several hundred short-termers have come and helped over the years. It's all God and what he's done in calling individuals to be a part of what he's doing in Congo. We don't, we're trying to be a Christian hospital, not just a name only. And so the most important aspect of our work is not the medical care, though that's the essential part. That's what we're building, trying to build everything around. But we have opened this year a Christian radio station uh, the nursing school, trying to provide healthcare providers for the region, for the for the area, uh, life-changing AIDS and HIV/AIDS and treatment prevention program. Um, just before I left on Friday, I received $19,000 worth of HIV medicines from the government that they gave to us, which we have been out of. So praise God for that. Uh, the hospital spiritual ministry is is our focus. And over 40 people are actively involved in the chaplaincy program, all volunteers, Congolese, missionaries. Uh, we have many, many activities that are ongoing day in and day out. It's, these are all dreams come true. And the neat thing is it's no longer just my dream. There's many, many people that have come and fulfilled their dreams with God at work, in the middle of the jungle, where is all this happening? In the darkest place of the darkest continent in in the world. I alluded to the fact um, that um, sometimes we get our our values might uh, lose, lose track of our values or compromise. Um, what we need to do is when we see these trends beginning to happen, we need to stop the dominoes from falling. And uh, doctor's training is scientific and clinical. As Christian healthcare workers, we're called to integrate a spiritual element. But then there is also an interpersonal team dynamic in which often we are not so well trained or experienced. A lot of physicians are not so good at handling this interpersonal team dynamic and what i'm learning is that at this stage of fulfilling my childhood dreams is that i've done the vision work we've transformed the compound from communist youth camp to a 60-bed general mission hospital but They're getting and getting our organization up to speed with the medical work. But now I'm realizing that there's a whole other dynamic for which I wasn't very well prepared for. Um, It's called managing people. I don't do a good job of that. I'm not good at it. I recognize it's essential for sustained success and to fulfill more dreams. And so I covet your prayers in this area. If you're struggling with something like that today, where you work, I just want to encourage you that there's hope. Get back to your values. Get back to your purpose. Get back to your calling. And it's amazing what God will do with those people that you work with. And you, starting with you. Okay. There's just just a few minutes left. I want to give you a few more things. A few pointers that I thought of about practice. Practicing joy joy in your practice. Practice makes perfect, they used to say, well, they used to tell me that when I was learning piano. My piano teacher, when I got past a certain point, he said, perfect practice makes perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably a better motto for surgery. (laughs) Practice the presence of Christ in your profession. Practice the presence of Christ in your life. And then you will have the fullness of joy. Jesus wants to make a triumphal entry into your life, into your personal, financial, social, professional life, in your practice. Just like on Palm Sunday, He wants to make a triumphal entry into your life, into your practice. When Jesus enters the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus enters this temple, He drives out the things that don't belong, that make it difficult to manage people. (laughs) Upon your profession of faith in Christ, they used to say upon baptisms. My pastor said this growing up. Upon your profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus first. And then, not just the golden rule, but loving your neighbor as yourself. So, others as you. Loving others is, we must put that into practice. And then, with the you, what do you want to do? He shall give you the desires of your heart. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. Formulas work sometimes. Actually, they work most of the time. I think most of the time, E equals MC squared. W equals work equals force times distance. Gravity works. When a formula doesn't work, it's called a miracle. And God is in the miracle working business. That's what he does. By definition, everything God does is supernatural. Because he is Supernatural. He's the highest being. And in my life, I seek to put him first. Put Jesus first in your life. Let him have the preeminence. Walk in the spirit. Obey. Follow. And you will have joy. And your dreams, the dreams he put in your heart when you were a child, he will bring them to pass. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that lunch time is here. (laughs) I thank you for seeing us through this day. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us by the things we're learning together, by the experiences we're sharing together. Lord, I praise you for filling my childhood dreams, for allowing me to live out my childhood dreams. Lord, some days they seem like nightmares. But if I keep my eyes on you, there is joy even in sorrow. Thank you, Father God. Bless us and may we all be able to enjoy our lunch. We thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.